Well, this morning we are in 1 Samuel chapter 2, and if you have a Bible, please open it. And if you would, would you stand for the reading of God's Word? We're reading just the first 11 verses this morning. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, even as we've confessed this morning that no spiritual good can arise out of us apart from your Spirit, so how much more we need the help of your Spirit uh, to attend to, uh, to hear, to receive, uh, to declare, uh, to believe, and to embrace uh, the Holy Scripture. And so speak to us, Lord, this morning, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy ministered to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Please take your seats. In our first home, when one of our daughters was very little, she liked to get behind the sofa, and she would push off uh, with her legs. And she would end up pushing off with her legs uh, in uh, to one of the panes of the the very large picture window that was in the living room. Each of the nine panes was in a frame. And uh, she pushed so hard that she pushed uh, her back through the glass. Now, we're very glad that she didn't uh, get injured. But, of course, the pane had to be replaced. Now, the previous owner had installed storm windows all over the house. And there was a storm window that was nine feet by nine feet over the picture window. It was made of three large panes of glass, and it was joined together in kind of a wobbly uh, assembly of aluminum, which when it was in its frame, it was just fine. So obviously, it was just too big and actually too heavy uh, for one person to bring down. And so... Uh, I was helpless and had to go ask someone to assist me. Graciously, 
they did. And after uh, a period of time, when I managed to get the window replaced, they came back and helped me put it back up. We have moments of helplessness. Some of them are ordinary. Perhaps it's that packaging on something you just bought. And sometimes they're terrifying. It's one thing for your car not to start, and it's another for the airplane you're in to fall from the sky. Being powerless can leave us feeling very small, it can leave adults feeling like they're little children. It can awaken within us a sense of shame. Uh, we feel inadequate. We ought to be able to do this, we tell ourselves. And uh, we uh, perhaps even begin to think we don't measure up and maybe we'll never measure up. Adults work hard to av avoid situations in uh, which they have to operate out of their weakness. And so most people avoid public speaking. Most people try to find work that utilizes their strengths. And most people choose to relate primarily to people who don't point out their weaknesses, uh, but uh, affirm us and make us feel good about ourselves. But despite our best efforts, there are just times that come in life uh, when uh, the circumstances put a spotlight on our inadequacies, our weaknesses. Often this happens in relationships, can be in uh, with a friend, it might happen at, at home, it can happen at school, at work, it can even happen uh, when you're out playing a game. And I think the hardest of these moments comes when we're brought face to face with things about ourselves we'd like to change, but don't have the power to do anything about. Now, wouldn't it be great if there was a way to read receive strength in our weakness, help in our helplessness, uh, the, the grace that we need when we feel so inadequate. Well, there is. Hannah was powerless to have children, and she receives God's strength. And she's enabled to give birth to Samuel, and then after Samuel, five more children. And Hannah sings. She sings and celebrates the birth of Samuel, but more than just the birth of Samuel here. She exalts in the saving power of uh, God. She's singing theology here, and she's declaring God's ways to us. Hannah celebrates something that's very basic about God and his ways. Salvation comes as a reversal. The powerless receive strength. This is the pattern on which the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom, uh, in the kingdom of God, God comes with his strength uh, into our weakness, into our inadequacy, his power into our powerlessness. And Hannah's song is an introduction to the entire book of Samuel. Now we think of Samuel as being two books, but it's really just one composition. And it's framed, it's bookend, by Hannah's song at the beginning, and then David's song and last words at the end. Hannah's song prepares us uh, for uh, God's ways. Uh, she clues us in to what God is doing, and David's song looks back and sings of God's faithfulness. These songs about God's ways, indeed this entire book, is an invitation 
for us to reflect on God's ways in our own uh, lives. And so today we're going to see three things. Uh, God, who is our Savior, is a rock. God, who is our Savior, is sovereign in life. And God, who is our Savior, accomplishes his purposes. Let's begin. Uh, God, uh, our Savior, is a rock. Hannah uh, begins by singing this. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your uh, salvation. There's none holy like the Lord. There's none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah's rejoicing in her experience of God's salvation in the birth of Samuel. Now, she is not gloating over uh, her uh, uh, co-wife, Penaniah. She, she sings of her enemies. They're the same enemies that are mentioned at the end. They're the Lord's adversaries. There are those forces that would lead her not to trust God as he caused her barrenness and as uh, he was seemingly very slow to answer her prayers. Her trust is in God, uh, who is a rock. Rock is one of the names often given for God in the Bible. And uh, in order to hear this name in the way that Hannah sings it, in the way that she perceived it, we need to leave the 21st century and go back to her time. Now, there are many places along the Pennsylvania Turnpike where uh, the rock of a mountain has been cut out to make room for the road, or where a tunnel has been uh, driven through the rock of the mountain. In Hannah's day, there were no explosives, and there were no great machines that could bore through rock. As she saw rock, rock was strong, it was unmovable, it was something that was unchangeable. And that's what God is like. And because of his strength and his stability and his immovableness, he is a safe place to be. And so she found her security and protection in God. Uh, In the powerlessness she was experiencing in her barrenness and the shame that she felt because as a wife she was not able to be a mother. Now, we receive God's strength by turning uh, to him. And this means for us that we have to turn away from our false sources of strength and security. And this is especially hard for people who are very talented, who have many gifts and have accomplished much. Because there's a strong tendency to rely on ourselves, on our gifts, our wisdom, our past uh, successes. And on the other hand, there are often things uh, that we fear that keep us from trusting as uh, well. And I suppose it depends on how you're made up, which of these you uh, encounter uh, the most. But Hannah tells us here in her song that God is unique. He has no equals. And that means we often have to resize our fears uh, and see them in the right proportion. 
I don't know about you, but often it's at night that the thoughts that are really, uh, well, the things that trouble me, the things that make me anxious, the things that I'm afraid of visit me. And sometimes uh, when I'm feeling them especially acutely, it's hard even to fall asleep. And I've found that I need a verse or two of Scripture uh, to fight uh, my fear, uh, to battle anxiety, to get to a place of trust. At night, uh, I often uh, recite these words from Psalm uh, 4, where David says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, cause me to dwell in safety. Now, we don't have to stay in a place of fear when we're weak and powerless and helpless. Um, We can uh, put our trust in God. And um, we can, and Hannah sings of this, uh, experience our weakness as something that's temporary. It doesn't have to be uh, permanent. We can receive God's strength into our lives. And as Hannah does, And she sings of this. She uh, sings of God who is our Savior, who is sovereign in life. And she does this by singing of reversal after uh, reversal. And so she she picks up in verse 4. The bows of the mighty are broken, and the feeble bind on strength. As the great warrior's weapons are broken, and the feeble, those who have no chance of standing in battle are made strong. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. In other words, those who have an abundance to eat. But those who were hungry cease to hunger. The barren has borne seven children, but she who has many children is forlorn. She's sad as if she doesn't have any at all. The Lord kills and brings to life. The Lord brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit the seat of honor. These are figures of speech. They're they're merisms. And what they do is they take... something from one end uh, of the spectrum to the other, uh, f- from one and ten. But the, the figure of speech means everything in between is included. And this is a poetic way of saying a couple things. One is it says that all of life, from its most extreme experiences, is under the sovereign rule of God. Um, uh, And it says something else, because these reversals tell us something very, very significant about God. God has compassion toward the humble. Uh, He arms with strength the humble, the weak, those who are inadequate, those whose circumstances are beyond their control. Just as she gave to Hannah the ability to have a child, having spent years of being barren. And so our present weakness may not be permanent, but you need to hear this. God's fortune, the good things you experience in life, are not owed to you. 
if you have them, uh, God hasn't guaranteed that you will always uh, have them. And it's important not to boast in them or to rely on them as if your security could be found in this. Whether you have them or not is determined by God and his own purposes. Um, They're based in his choices, in his secret uh, counsel, and we can't predict them and we can't control them. But God does delight in exalting the humble. The Apostle Peter puts it this way, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever. So, what does this mean practically? Well, the way to receive God's strength is to get humble. Now, trouble is one of the primary ways God brings us to himself, and it's one of the ways he keeps us close to himself. And trouble will come. Uh, St. Teresa of Avila put it this way, life in this world is like a bad night in a bad end. There's just always trouble around the corner. And when trouble comes, get low. Get on your knees. Review the situation while you're on your knees there. And you could start by remembering that actually most of the joys and delights in this life are temporary, and some of them are just fake. They are just frauds. And then while you're down there on your knees, notice that you have a black heart. Don't let that discourage you, demoralize you. Everyone has a black heart. Tom told you that earlier uh, this morning. And it's amazing how much good people with black hearts can actually uh, do. And so while you're on your knees, and now that you're sober-minded and perhaps a bit miserable and convicted, start talking to God. Ask for his help. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for mercy. Ask to know him. Now, you need to get this one thing very clear while you're down there on your knees. You are not in charge. God is. You are not God. He's the Lord. And so do the right thing while you're down there. Surrender. If, if you don't know how to do that, here, here's a little prayer for you. Lord, life hasn't worked out so well for me while I've been in charge. And so I give my life over to you. I believe in you. 
Help me, Lord, to trust you with my life today and all the days to come. I ask that you take charge. Now, take these words or something like them to God. This is not a prescription to be passive. It's uh, just an acknowledgement of reality, and it's a pledge of submission. And it can be very hard to do. It can be very hard to humble yourself uh, like that. But it's a good way uh, to start every day, especially when trouble is pressing in on you. Because it's so easy to get up from praying and want to just take control of life and to make things happen. So let me review. You receive strength as you trust God as your rock to be your security. And you receive strength when you humble yourself, when you submit to him as Lord. And Hannah concludes by singing uh, that our Savior, who's the creator, can accomplish his purposes. God's strength is seen in in that the pillars of the earth are his, and he set the world upon them. Verse 8, for the pillars of the Lord are the earth, and on them he set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not... By might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. The creator who's established the world can impart his strength to you. Uh, He will and can and will establish his king, and he can establish his purposes and his plans. He does for Hannah. He does for David. He does in Jesus, and he's doing this in your life as well. And this is our confidence. When Hannah is remembered by God, she gets a glimpse of God's ways. The creator can open a barren womb. Uh, He can create new life. Uh, He can remove her shame. Uh, And he can meet Israel's need for a king and bring an end to those chaotic days where everyone in Israel did what was right in his own eyes. This is this principle of reversal, and it's just written large in the book of Samuel. David, a shepherd, a a young man, a teen, is summoned by Saul to be his musical therapist. And he faithfully executes that responsibility. Uh, One day, uh, uh, he comes uh, to see his brothers, and he sees that the armies of Israel are being taunted uh, by a, a powerful experienced man of war named Goliath. And most unlikely of things happens, this man who has no experience as a warrior goes and defeats this man who'd caused the whole army of Israel to tremble. It's just a reversal. 
But as a result of that, David becomes famous. And Saul is jealous. And Saul turns on him. And he seeks to have David killed. Eventually, David flees. And Saul has him pursued as a fugitive, as if he were a criminal. Though he had only done Saul uh, good. And he refuses to take matters in his own hands what he could. And God delivers him from his enemies, who are also gods. Now, it is this man that God anoints king to rule as his representative. And it is this man who will end the distressing day of the judges. God's strength brings his purposes to pass for David, just as he did for Hannah, who gave birth to Samuel, the kingmaker. And this is true in the life of Jesus. Jesus came in humility, and he opened blind eyes. He caused the lame uh, to walk. Uh, He freed the captive, and he was hated for his goodness. He was wrongly accused. Uh, He was perceived as a threat, and he was put to death, dying the most shameful death possible. And yet God exalted him. God raised him up to the highest of places and has given him the name above every name. God has brought his purposes to pass in the life of Jesus. And it is in Jesus, if you've put your trust in him, that God reverses our fortunes as well. We were spiritually blind, enslaved, and helpless. And just at the right time, in spite of our being oppositional with God, in spite of our hostility with God, Christ died for us and reconciled us uh, through his death. And God transforms us. He takes us who were dead and makes us alive. He transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Uh, When we had been alienated and hostile in mind, and given to evil deeds, God is reconciled to us and declares us holy and blameless and above reproach. And the great final reversal is ahead of us when God raises us from the dead and makes the new heavens and the new earth. God will accomplish all his purposes. We need to be humble before those purposes and not think we know exactly how God's going to accomplish this. The writer of the Hebrews in what's known as the chapter of faith takes up this theme of God reversing uh, weakness and giving strength. At the end of the chapter, he writes, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. But then he shifts. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in 
skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. In his book, The Pressure's Off, Larry Crabb recounts an incident from his childhood. One Saturday afternoon, he decided that he was a big boy and could use the bathroom by himself. He went up the stairs and into the bathroom, locked the door, and for the next few minutes, he felt very self-sufficient. But when it was time to leave, he couldn't unlock the door. He brought all his three-year-old strength to bear, and it uh, wouldn't budge. And so he panicked. He began to think, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in this room. And his parents, and probably his neighbors, heard his desperate scream. And his mother uh, came to the door and asked, are you okay? And uh, did you fall? Uh, uh, Have you hit your head? I can't unlock the door. Get me out of here. Now, unbeknownst to Larry, his father had headed downstairs out to the garage, had pulled the ladder off its hooks and was laying it up against the house and climbing up toward that bathroom window. And with his adult strength, he opened that window. He walked directly over the door, uh, unlocked it, and Larry said, thanks, Dad. And he ran out to play. Now, Larry, reflecting on this, says, that's how I thought the Christian life was supposed to work. When I get stuck in a tight place, I should do everything I can to help myself. And when I can't uh, get it fixed, then what I should do is uh, pray. Get me out of here. I want to play. And God unlocks the door to the blessings that I want. And, of course, sometimes he does this. But now I'm no longer three. When he wrote this, he said, I'm almost 60, and I realize the Christian life doesn't work that way, and I wonder if any of us are really content with God. Do we even like him when he doesn't open the doors we want opened? When a marriage doesn't heal, when rebellious kids still rebel, when friends betray, when financial reversals threaten our comfortable way of life, when the prospect of darkness in our society only looms, when health worsens in spite of much prayer, when loneliness intensifies, when depression deepens, when ministries die. God has climbed through uh, my small window into the dark room, but he doesn't walk over and uh, turn the knob of the door and unlock it for me. Instead, he sits down and says, come sit with me. He seems to think that climbing into the room and being with me matters more than letting me out to play. I don't always see it that way. Get me out of here, I scream. If you love me, unlock the door. Friends, the choice is ours. We can either keep asking him to give us what we think will make us happy and to escape our dark room, to run to the playground of blessings we think we must have, or we can accept his invitation to sit with him in the darkness and seize the opportunity to know him better. God is able to accomplish his purposes
It's called a life of faith because you don't know what it's going to look like. He gives strength to the weak, and one day he will reverse everything, and there will be no more darkness. Please uh, pray with me, if you will. This is a prayer that John Calvin wrote. Almighty God, whose creation and the work of whose hands we are, grant us to know that we exist and move in you alone so that we may submit ourselves to you, not merely being directed by your secret providence, but showing ourselves your willing and obedient followers as it becomes sons. Thus, may we endeavor to glorify your name in this world till we arrive at the enjoyment of that blessed heritage which is laid up for us in heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen.